Welcome to the King's Crowd Startup Investing Podcast, the podcast that keeps you in tune with what's going on in the online private markets and how anyone can become a startup investor. I'm your host, Sean O'Reilly, and my guest today is Vin Narayanan. He's the Vice President of Strategy at King's Crowd and Early Investing. Vin, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. And the background behind you reminds me it's Cherry Blossom Times, D.C. It is your backyard formerly right like you... my, my former backyard my former yeah. haunting grounds i i right i mean normally on a day like this i'd be out taking pictures um as uh so my wife she went there the other day and um everybody was practicing social distancing on the the title base so it was really cool yeah and for those of you that actually go out to take pictures two tips one is you know I get a close-up of the cherry blossom, but have the Jefferson Memorial off in the background. So you're zooming in on the cherry this blossom. This is a pro tip. tip. I yeah, like pro it. tip. Zoom yeah. in on the actual cherry blossom. And that way the Jefferson Memorial will be blurred out in the background. So that's one pro tip. The other pro trip is to head over. Do you over have any to, camera recommendations since we're. Uh, <laughs> you, could, you, you could do this off of any smartphone. It'll look terrific. Uh, and then the, and then um, go landscape on the photo. Don't, don't do the amateur stuff and go out with a vertical photo. This is no longer a startup podcast. This is hobby photography. Hobby photography. But the other uh, pro tip is go to the bridge near the Jefferson Memorial. I think it's the Memorial Bridge and crouch down. I mean, whatever that bridge is there, crouch down. You'll see like circles cut out into the side of the bridge. Crouch down uh, and shoot the memorial or shoot the blossoms through the circle and you'll Ooh. end up with a really cool photo. Oh, you obviously have some of these. Oh yes. 100%. Yeah. I would like to, I would like to see those. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, for those of you that are uh, new to the show, basically the reason we're in this office is this King's Cross new, I don't know, East coast, one of our offices, we're all kind of dotted all over the the country. Uh, you just signed a lease for the Baltimore team, which is fun. Yeah, uh, fun. We're gonna be in the, we're, yeah, thank you. We're going to be in the Inner Harbor. Uh, we'll, which, we'll, which we're we'll excited to, about. You'll you'll have to take me to lunch, and we'll go look at the sharks at the the um, the aquarium. Yeah, the aquarium. Yeah. Which? Why is the National Aquarium up there? Is it just a space problem or what? Like you got, you got me, but that's all right. Just roll with could, it. They could have put it on the Anacostia. Like it wouldn't. <laughs> Yeah, but back when they were building it, the Anacostia, all that land wasn't really developed the way it is now. It's it's it's, good, it's good really point. different now. So, um, moving on from photography, um, so you you know this used to be your backyard. You were working in Roslyn, right up the road from me on nine eleven when you were in the yes. news business. I mean, you've. We're we're very lucky to have you on the show because you've had quite the career in. I don't know, you're you're a entrepreneurial writer or what would you call yourself? Like, I don't. Yeah, I, I, I am. I'm an entrepreneur who also happens to be a writer. I think it's one way of looking at it. There or the go. other way people would describe me as a journalist who happens to be an entrepreneur. So either so way, yeah, I, 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 either way it works. I mean, I mean, the best way to think about me is look, I started off my look, I've been an entrepreneur my entire career, but I started off in online media. Uh, back when people were still dialing into AOL. And when I mean dialing into AOL, I mean actually dialing was, into AOL using phone lines. I, my mom, you know, Sean, get off the internet. I have to call. Yes. Like that used to be a thing, ladies and gentlemen. Like yeah, that used to be a thing. And not only did that used to be a thing pre internet, there was something called BBSs, bulletin board systems. 
And these were like millions of private internets that you would dial into. Uh, and these were individual communities hosted. What was on your first experience with that? Did, like USA Today have that or? Uh, no, BBS's was part of my youth. Uh, you know, oh, I, I mean, I, look, I grew up playing the Atari 2600 and in television and ColecoVision and, you know, and, and, and that sort of stuff. In Michigan? Uh, no, this was in upstate New York. That's, I'm sorry, your parents are in Michigan now. Yeah, That's, upstate yeah. New York and New Jersey, uh, you know, started doing that. Uh, but yeah, I started doing that and so yeah, BBSs I dialed into when I was living in New Jersey. Like one of my friends hacked into like Xerox and AT and T. That was his one of his. I thought you were gonna tell me he was like Ferris Bueller and he. Ah uh, yeah, into, no, not, nothing like that. But yeah, the no, days you skipped. <laughs> yeah, dialing into BBSs, but I mean, when look back then when we went to college, the whole point of going to college was to get an email address. Who cared about the higher education? Uh, and then the internet for a lot of people that don't remember back then was actually text based. So this is pre-AOL, pre-Prodigy, but sort of after BBSs. Uh, there was this thing called Gopher, where you would use, yeah. Is a, it a browser? Uh, it was sort of a text browser. It, it was created by the University of Minnesota, which is why you got the whole Gopher thing. Uh, and, oh my God. Yeah, and so basically what you would do is you would, you, you would browse things like news groups uh to to use the uh to use the internet would they be posting national articles from the usa today or like well no it wasn't national articles i mean basically it was like this giant community board uh they share their thoughts they shared ideas they share pictures whatever it was all of this stuff was happening uh, out there before. So people have been doing this sort of thing since the beginning. Yes, people have been, yep. People yeah. have been doing this since the beginning. And it wasn't until 1994, 1995 that we got our first usable browser. I mean, really usable browser. Right. And, and, and that's, that's and yeah. so yeah, and that's sort of where I jumped into uh, online journalism. Before then, I was a political reporter. Uh, back and, here and yeah, that, back there one of the DC. first times you ever and I you and I ever hung out you remember was the oh man they really didn't like this uh when Facebook wanted to do their cryptocurrency yes Libra. and like these congress people were not kind <laughs> yeah. no they, they were not uh, kind you, at all you knew your way around that the, the was the Rayburn building we were in yeah it was it was the Rayburn building yeah so I've spent time in the Rayburn building as a reporter I've spent time as a lobbyist as a consultant a lot an advocate in there so uh, you know a good chunk of my career has been in and around the DC area and the reason I've had to do all of those sorts of things is because I've been working on the cutting edge of technology the entire time. Right. Uh, so whether it was on the internet, uh, you know, coming up with new ways to tell stories, reporting online, uh, coming up with new ways to tell stories, building out the infrastructure of how people you publish to the internet, and a lot of the stuff uh, I help build, people are still using today. Uh, coming Give up an with example, new, uh, like content management systems, for example. Oh, uh, those yeah. things. Yeah, those things. Uh, Did you make a good one or a bad one? <laughs> I, a relatively good one. Uh, but yeah, so so think, things like that. But even new business models like launching uh, fantasy sports verticals or travel verticals or, you know, uh, focusing on entertainment and things like that. So all of those sorts of things, you know, I, I so I, I help build. So yeah, I, you know, and, and I same thing in the casino industry. 
you know, doing online gaming, online casinos and sports books and building those out and marketing them and advocating for the legalization of them and dealing with regulatory changes and issues. So I've spent a lot of time in DC. It's, uh, it is, you know, it's, 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 it's my favorite city in the US by far. And it's the place that I've spent the most amount of time in. And frankly, it's, you know, the place that's most home for me. It's a good town for sure. Um, and once COVID ends, we'll get you down here. We'll hang out and it'll be good. It'll be good. Chef Jose Andres has a table waiting for us somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, I actually just for, went to 1789 for the first time in a year the other week. And it was, they had their gloves on and their masks on, but it was really nice to get out. Anyway, yep. so let's dive in here. Um, so as the audience knows by now, you've been around the block with the internet, just entrepreneurship, building new markets, all this stuff. Um, what I really wanted to talk today about was um, a very specific uh, subsector of our market. And again, our, our market is the equity crowdfunding world, regulation crowdfunding, soon to be Reg A, all that stuff too. But, um, you know, you what was it there? 45 categories in the, the annual report we just came out for sub industries that people yes. could invest in last year. Like there's alcohol, tobacco. In fact, there seems like a new brewery that's looking to raise money every week. Um, but um, uh, yeah, and think, if you're looking for a brewery trend, look at tequila and mezcal. They're having a moment right now. They heard about what George Clooney did, what Ryan <laughs> and, Reynolds has got to do. No, it's, 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 it's about way more than that. It's, 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 it's about way more than that. It's, if you take a look at craft spirits and that sort of thing, every, I mean, people didn't know, for example, what a good scotch tasted like for a long time. And then people started to learn what a good scotch tasted like and what a good whiskey tasted like. And that stuff became popular. And then, you know, vodka, people didn't know what a good vodka uh, tasted like. And now people are starting to learn what a good vodka tastes like and that sort of thing. And then Is the American palate becoming refined. Uh, it's, it is the beauty of entrepreneurship. It is the beauty of startups, but it is also the beauty of a blending of cultures where people Very bring, nice, yeah. yeah, people That's bring- the, That warms the heart. Yeah, it, people bring the drinks of their home with them. So all of a sudden you're not drinking what you thought was tequila or what you thought was vodka, you're drinking the absolute uh, best of the best. And on the tequila side, most people don't know it, but if you go to a Chef Jose Andres restaurant, you would, uh, that, uh, you know, barrel aged tequila tastes, you know, it, it's, it drinks more like a scotch. Wow. Uh, than it does a tequila I'm, and they're going to do this. Yeah. 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 They're, they're different flavors and, you know, different, different families of tequilas and all that sort of stuff. So it's terrific. And then, you know, mezcal is another subset of that. And so if you, I mean, so, but if you're looking for like a startup that's operating in an up and coming drink, that's really going tequila space. I really like. Very cool. And subscribe to early investing. Cause I'm sure you're going to do that anyway. Absolutely. Um, so the thing that we really got to talk about though, cause you said something really interesting to me the other day, you were like, listen, this is an awesome market and like entrepreneurs are really benefiting. And you know, the purpose of the jobs act, like one of them was basically to allow everyday Americans to invest in the startups, which is huge. Cause used to be, you have to you know, be a rich guy to do it. But, um, it is unusually good structurally for like medical startups and like drug drugs. And yes. it's like, it, yeah. it was Biotech. really insightful what you said. And it, God, was this on Slack or when did you, it was a company-wide meeting and you and I were talking on Zoom or something and it was really, really cool. But um, just for the audience, what did you mean by that? 
Yeah, so biotech and pharma companies are at a really interesting place right now. So uh, you, you've, you've got a combination of things. So the prices on certain things and the technology on certain things are just getting to the point where you can develop them. Just take a look at the vac COVID vaccines that came out right now, like the mRNA. It usually takes 10 years to make a drug and our species did it in a year. Yeah, you really did, impressive, right? Really impressive, but part of it is mRNA is now a viable way to develop drugs. You couldn't have done yeah. that 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, but you when did that come do... out? Do you know? Like when did the technology? Oh, they, they've been working on this for about 20 years. Okay. And yeah. Here we are just in time. So here, 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 here we are just in time. So it is a similar thing with uh, robotics, for example. Robotics, they've been working on robotics and AI. Since forever. Like... <laughs> But the cost of robotics are finally dropping. What used to be a $120,000 arm or a $600,000 arm or a $50,000 arm, you can now do, or a $60,000 arm, you can now do for $8,000. So when the price drops like that, all of a sudden stuff that wasn't commercially viable before becomes really viable. Uh, and so you've got this whole sort of thing. So you've got the price- You used to need 50 million bucks to- put a drug together trials well, or whatever just pick a number but bottom yeah, line but now it's five yeah well less. no it's not it's not even that yes the price of getting a drug is still high but the trick is that the trick with this technology and the way the prices of this this technology have fallen is that you still need to go through your preclinical and clinical stages and that sort of thing but what you can do is you can raise enough money through a five million dollar reg cf round uh, to get you there, right? And that's really cool because for venture capital- rounds, so you can do it again. Yeah, you can do it again, yeah. but, but generally 5 million uh, will get you partway there, if not most of the way there. Maybe you need a little money, maybe you need to raise a second round or get a little more money from an accredited investor, whatever, but that gets you a good chunk of the way there. And maybe you need to do a second round, but that's okay. Because but it's enough to get you to where you can then start talking to, if you're successful in some way, shape, or form, yep. a Merck, a Pfizer, whatever. Well, yeah, or to a VC. So the thing is where most, where most startups in biotech and in pharma are, is they're too early for VCs. So they can't even Just think about it. It's crazy to think about because yeah. like, it's supposed to be their job. But... It's supposed to be their job, but VCs don't want to talk to them until they're, they've got some sort of clinical, uh, clinical trial data, uh, or at least they finished the preclinicals uh, and they're ready to go into clinical. Well, the funny thing is, well, that's when pharma wants to talk to these people about licensing opportunities anyway. Right. And so VCs don't want to touch it at this early stage. And so, so what are these guys supposed to do? Because the costs have finally dropped to the fact that they don't need 10, 15 million to get going. A 5 million round here, a 5 million round there. And the cool thing is if they get that 5 million round, then they can get some non-diluted uh, capital, right. like research yeah. grants and that sort of thing. And you combine the two and they can get through preclinical. Uh, they can uh, even line up the clinical trial all of a sudden you get big pharma companies that say, oh yeah, I want to license this technology. Or they say, you want to go, uh, go get some VC capital to get you through the clinical trials. But at that point, the VCs are going to be interested. Right. And so the, the emergence of crowdfunding is huge for this community. Well, it sounds like the March 15th increase from 1 million to 5 million is like 
the biggest thing ever for early stage bio. Yeah, like, I mean, e even before the March 15th, CF was hitting their sweet spot. Right. Because uh, they could come they get a million get, bucks. They can, you know. Uh, they can get the million bonds, combine that with a little grant and research money. They could keep going. Uh, now with the 5 million level, uh, they can make some serious damage uh, and, and really get to a lot of places. And they can either use that as a bridge round to VCs or they can use it to fund it completely, maybe do a second round, get all the way there and then go right to pharma and bypass VCs altogether. So there right. are a couple of different options. So as a result, what we're seeing is we're seeing a slew of really great uh, biotech and, and pharma plays in the startup space, stuff that you would never have seen before. Uh, and it's a chance for early investors. I mean, man, I mean, these are huge acquisitions, right? These are multi-billion. I mean, these can be multi, uh, hundreds of, we're talking about acquisitions in the hundreds of millions. And, potential, you know, maybe, right? Potential, yeah, yeah potential. Yeah. Uh, it's potential. Look, biotech investing is, res uh, is risky in this sense, in that it's all or nothing. It either works or it doesn't right. work. Yeah. There's no, oh, we didn't find a product market fit. So we're going to pivot to something else. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there, there, there's, there's none of that. So this there's, is a binary situation. Yeah, th yeah, this um, is a binary situation. So how many more deals have we seen since the $5 million increase in the space? I, I, like look, double, I, would you say, over the last year? Yeah. I mean, even before the space, uh, even before the deal flow increase, we were seeing, you know, at least 2x what we saw before uh, because there was a realization that this is a path forward. And now we're seeing, I mean, now we're just, I'm, I'm probably seeing one every three weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, it, just in terms of uh, potential plays. And, and I mean, and that's just fantastic. Now, not every play is worth investing in uh, because you really have to do dive into the research. You have to dive into the science. And I have a bit of a science background, so that helps. Uh, and dive into the research, dive into the science. You really have to familiarize yourself with FDA approval levels. You have to know, you know, what an approval level is for a diagnostic versus what an approval level is for, you know, building off previous technology versus what you need for, you know, a full out drug. And so understanding all of this space is really helpful. But what's cool is once you start investing in this space, you start learning it. And, and all of that knowledge builds on top of itself. And so don't be scared to invest in the space dive in and learn. And what you'll learn is you'll keep learning and that knowledge builds on top of each other. And all of a sudden, you'll you'll be comfortable uh, with the space and talking about the space and whether and whether or not to invest. It just takes time. Uh, sure. It just takes time and, and, and a, a little willingness to do it. What, um, all right, so we've got to give the audience a little something here. Um, are there any success stories or just really great examples of what you're talking about or is there anything we can, you know, offer up that's currently raising money right now that's worth looking into? Yeah, so there are three that are worth uh, looking into uh, for sure. So the first is uh, Phoenix Pharma Labs. Uh, they're raising uh, net capital. And so I really like these oh, guys. Oh, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so you know, Phoenix Pharma, uh, the, look, the, the, is just terrific. The CEO is Bill Crossman. Uh, are they out of Boston? Uh, no, they're out of North Carolina. 
Uh, just for our audience to know, uh, we love and respect that capital because that was our first raise for King's Crowd was on their yeah. platform, and so we know them well. That's why. Yeah, so so so, anyway. so so we know them well. Uh, no, they're 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 out of North Carolina. At least okay. Bill Cross, Bill Crossman's out of North Carolina. Right. Uh, terrific CEO, deep experience uh, within the industry, uh, and they're developing the world's first non-addictive opioid. Uh, and it's just terrific. They're which basic, is a big deal for. Yes. America, I guess, right now. Uh, for the world. Uh, <laughs> and look, this could be used to treat, uh, uh, this can be used to treat pain, uh, yeah. pain uh, but can, uh, it can be used to treat chronic pain, it can be used to treat uh, acute pain, and it can be used to treat addiction. Uh, that's how good this is. Uh, it is remarkable. The cool thing about these compounds is that they have, I mean, the, once you see the animal trials and their animal trial results are terrific, they translate really well into human trials. Awesome. Uh, and and yeah. so that's one of the things- Are they out yet? Like the no, they're, they're working on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. They're working on it. Uh, uh, but uh, that's one of the things. The other cool thing about this company that they've done, I think is really smart, is they're base, they're, they identified one compound. There are basically three compounds uh, in the world that do what they do. Uh, they had one and there were two others out there and they went out and they bought the, bought the rights to the second one. So now they control oh, two awesome. of the three compounds that's that, awesome. that do this. And the best part about this is though that this isn't a winner take all market. So the weird thing about pharma markets is that let's just say one person gets to the finish line ahead of you. That's all right. Cause what happens is the competition sees the people that got to the finish line ahead of you. They don't have access to that one. So they come knocking on the door and saying, hey, we want yours because that competitor has there. We need that version of that. Yeah. And so it's not a winner take all market. This is a winner where uh, a rising tide lifts all boats and you can make a lot of money. You don't have to be the first there. You just have to be you know, awesome. one of the first two or three there. Yeah. Uh, and they've got two out of the three uh, in development. So this is really good. Yeah, I just pulled them up here. So it's their, their non-addictive one. The reason opioids become addictive is because they target one of the brain receptors yep. like, and they hit one receptor in the brain really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And their compounds target multiple receptors and more of a whole brain kind of approach. And yep. it's, it's just less jarring to the system is kind of what I'm getting here. Yeah, less jarring. And more importantly, the, the, the particular parts of the brain that opioids target generate this sense of euphoria and, and a high and an addiction. And then if you reduce the hit to those parts of brains, those part of the brains, you're not going to get that. That's awesome. Okay. All right. So yeah. best of luck to them. And it's when, when's the race close? Uh, it, uh... April, it was supposed to close April 23rd, but got it extended. So it's uh, yeah. March 23rd, it was supposed to close. So I think uh, April 23rd. So you've got a few weeks Check it to out get on in. the Capitol. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I really like those guys. Uh, the second one that I really like a lot is uh, monogram orthopedics. Okay. Uh, these guys are terrific. Is that the uh, arm? Uh, well, they're doing knees and hips. Head, shoulders, knees and toes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, head, nose, yeah, yeah. You, I have a seven-month-old daughter, so the, this is you, my you, life. You know anyway. the song well. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so basically what they're doing is they're taking a robot arm and, you know, doing knee implants uh, and hip implants. 
and so you're combining robotics uh, uh, with. They're making uh, the bionic man. Just saying. yeah, they, they they are making we, the bionic. We can rebuild man. him. We have the technology. But but they're doing it in a really smart way. Not only are these implants better than anything else that's out in the market, the way that they're doing it is they're going to be able to turn like a normal doctor into an orthopedic surgeon. Right? Oh, wow. So instead of having to go to an orthopedic surgeon to do this, uh, you know, not anyone can do it, but you don't have to be like a hundred. I was about to say, can I do it? Yeah, no, <laughs> but, but the, yeah, but, but that's the beauty of robotics. Uh, that's the beauty of AI. It becomes really repeatable. Uh, it becomes really learnable uh, and it becomes really effective. Uh, and so it's really awesome. So love monogram orthopedics. Did we rate them a year or two ago, to your knowledge? I feel like they've been uh, around a while, but so, I can't. I might be wrong. Yeah. So early investing recommended them a couple years ago. Back in the, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Back then they're raising again. We think Did you the meet value, the management team. Oh yeah, yeah. We we meet the. Value. Remember that's I when I first we... met you. You were visiting a management team in Boston. That's how I met you. Yeah. And. Uh, I always like that you guys did that, but anyway, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, that's all right. No, no, we met the manager and in, in fact, we did a podcast with him, a, a, a video podcast me. with this? him uh, for, for, yeah, one of these. Uh, for wow. first <laughs> So yeah, so if you sign up and subscribe to Early Investing's First Stage Investor, they'll be in the archives there. So you can go Sweet. check that out. Yeah. And, oh yeah. So we, the thing about them is, first of all, they love the crowdfunding space. They're I'm big sure. believers in returning, yeah. uh, returning value to shareholders. And so they're doing I, share buybacks already or no, they're not doing share buybacks or anything like that, <laughs> but, but listening to their approach to raising capital and how you treat investors and all this sort of stuff. And we get into all of that in this podcast. It's phenomenal. Oh, wow. Uh, they're terrific. So we talked to them about more than just AI and orthopedics. It was a pretty wide ranging co uh, conversation. It's probably one of the best podcasts we've ever done with founders. I mean, it was, I'm going to go good. listen to it. That's awesome. Yeah. So it, it's, it's really cool. So monogram orthopedics, uh, is another one uh, that's playing in that space. And then this last Their race one, closes when, sorry. To, to oh, they've got a ways to go on the race close. Okay, so sometime. Yeah, yeah. and then the last one uh, is uh, that I run into it. Just, I just ran into, into it this week that I'm pretty interested in is NGen Bio. Okay. Uh, they're raising on WeFunder and they're trying to come up for a vaccine for type A influenza. Oh, wow. Yeah. The flu, yes. Wow. Could you imagine? I, I, I'm actually kind of wondering why nobody's tried that already. But oh, anyway. I, I, look, they have. Is it because of the mRNA stuff you were talking about earlier? Like they don't the know technology? whether they're going to go the mRNA or DNA route, but they feel like they've got the right approach to it. Uh, and, wow. And, and, and so just think about it, right? Uh, I mean, if they come up with just a standard flu vaccine rather than like a flu vaccine that you have to take every year, like right. a flu shot you have to take every year, but a flu vaccine that actually vaccinates you against type A flus, that's groundbreaking. I mean, that'd be, because what was it, when COVID broke out, people were talking about the number of people every year that just die because of the flu, and it's in the hundreds of thousands. thousands was it exactly. or something, I think? I don't yeah, know. I, I don't remember, but it's, it's, it's a high number. So I haven't dug into the science as much on this company because I just came across it as I have. But that's um, exciting. My, my, it's exciting. Yeah. yeah, it's exciting regardless. Monogram Orthopedic and uh, Phoenix Pharma, I've done deep dives into those. I'm just starting my due diligence uh, on, on these folks. What I've seen so far, I like, but there's one really cool aspect to it that I've never seen before is that they guarantee you get your money back if there's a liquidation event. 
Interesting. Yeah. So in terms of shareholder thing, now- How do you ensure- Well, only if there's a liquidation event. So here's what happens is crowdfunding in the startup space is tricky because a lot of times you're crowdfunding on safes, you're not crowdfunding on equity. And when you get a liquidation event, when when a company gets acquired, investor shareholder rights aren't always protected. In fact, I've seen startups who've been acquired and their startup investors didn't get paid out at all. Because oh, wow. they, they technically qu- don't own equity. They have safes. Safes. And, 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 yeah, exactly. They have safes that convert into equity. And the acquiring company looked at that and said, yeah, we don't want to deal with that on our cap table. We're just we're just cutting it off right now. Wow. And so where where where's the investor protection? So and and so in this case, you actually have a you actually have protection. They said in the case that they're acquired, they're going to guarantee that you at least get your money back. Wow. Deep. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That that's really cool. They're not and gonna, they, yeah, that's really, yeah. really cool. So so that's protection you don't normally see in a crowdfunding round. And I really right. like that. And so that caught my eye. The science caught my eye, but I've got to do a deeper dive into the science and 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 really dig into a little more. But to me, I look, I don't I don't do deep dives into companies unless I think there's something there. Now, sometimes I do the deep dive and it turns out what I thought was there isn't there. Uh, And so that happens a lot. I mean, look, I I go through a lot of companies and sometimes it pans out, sometimes it doesn't. But I I like what I saw on the raise page. Uh, I like the investor protection that's offered. And to me, it's worth a deeper dive. And so I'm going to be doing a deeper dive into that. In your experience, um, this will be one of our last questions because we're actually coming up on our time. do you how much runway will um you know the, the last company you mentioned there or just any of these guys how long will five million last them a couple of years a, a, a year a year to two years i mean it's not going to last them through commercialization right uh yeah, because that's... uh so and it really depends on the stage the company's in right if they're in preclinical preclinical is cheaper than clinical yeah and so, so I so preclinical, they can go through one, maybe two preclinical trials uh, with five million. Uh, if you are at the clinical stage, though, well, that's a five to six million dollar uh, trial, right. and so that's going to last them as long as the clinical trial takes. So a lot of it really depends on what stage they're in, and, and, and how much money it costs. And look, uh, startups that are really smart. You know, they might do say, let's do five million dollar uh, crowdfunding raise and maybe a, a, a five to seven million dollar accredited investor raise. Uh, call it even at twelve million, and that'll get us through a couple through uh, the trials to the point where they can commercialize it. Or they might say, yeah, you want to know what? We can do this in five to six, uh, five to six million. Give us the five million. Maybe we get a million in grant money. That gives us six million. That gets us through clinical trials. And by the time clinical is done. Uh, and if the clinicals go well, we're going to be able to license this. And that licensing money will get us jump started to go the rest of the way. And that's it. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so, the, very, so there, are, cool. there are different ways to look at it. Awesome. Um, any, uh, so you get the last word on, um, you know, what a listener should be thinking about when they look at these companies and future uh, biotech pharmaceutical yeah, look, startups. Any other advice you got for them? Yeah. Th- other than checking is- out early investing or King's Crowd. Yeah, other than check, checking out early investing or King's Crowd, look, this is the golden age of biotech. And so when you see when you see stuff that's there, if it sounds too good to be true, it might be. 
It also might not be. Uh, and, 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 and that's the thing to remember because people have been working on this technology for 20 plus years. And now it's just starting to matter. Uh, now it's just starting to get to the point where it can be commercialized. So we're seeing the fruits of a technological boom that started in the 90s. Uh, the future has arrived. The future has arrived. We are living yeah. through it. And not only are we living through it, we're living through it at a time where we can actually invest the capital to make it happen and see the returns on that capital. So look, if you read Outliers by Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell, you know that a lot of life is just about timing. Uh, and uh, this, is one of, this is one case where for investors, our timing's pretty damn good. Awesome. All right. Well, Vin, I can't wait to have you on again. Uh, looking forward to it, Sean. Have a good one. Uh, that is it for us, folks. If you have any questions about the online private markets or Kingscrowd's proprietary rating and analytics platform, Merlin, just email us at podcast at kingscrowd.com. For Ben Narayanan, I'm Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening.